In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Our sermon text is our reading from the Gospel according to St. Mark. Grace and peace to you from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Several years ago, the movie Bruce Almighty was released. In the movie, Bruce, a news reporter, criticizes God for how he's handling and running the universe. In particular, how he's handling Bruce's life. This fictional story then has God entrust Bruce with his powers to see if he can do any better. If you've never seen it, you can probably imagine some of what happens. Bruce's use of power is set on the things and mind of man. He does a lot of selfish things, and the end result is chaos. Now, while the portrayal of God in the movie is clearly lacking and off, the picture of man in the movie is spot on. Man does not think or operate like God does. Beginning with Adam and Eve, we have used our power for ourselves. We have sought to work things for our benefit. We have tried to make the world bend to our wills and our desires. And we see the same in the disciple Simon Peter. He has an idea that Jesus should be a different kind of Messiah. He doesn't like the kind of Messiah that Jesus teaches about. He rebukes Jesus, admonishes him that this should not be. After all, that is not the Messiah he expects, nor for which are many others looking. People do not want a Messiah who dies. They want a Messiah who reigns and rules in glory. They want a conqueror, a great ruler. They want a king like David. They want Israel restored to its power and prestige. They want a world empire with Israel at the center, with Jesus as the great ruler of the world. And with them sitting on 12 thrones, ruling pieces or parts or aspects of this kingdom. But Jesus has been anointed for a different purpose. He has come to accomplish a will contrary to the will of man, namely God's will. For God has different plans and ideas than man. God has come to accomplish something greater than conquering over the world. After all, he already rules the world. He can crush any opposition instantly. No, God comes to accomplish the redemption and restoration of his creation. And Jesus has been appointed and anointed for this. This is what Peter confesses, although he doesn't fully understand it at this point. He confesses that Jesus is the Christ, our Messiah. That is the anointed one. He confesses that Jesus has been chosen to be both the king of kings, who is the ruler, conqueror, and judge of all, and also the suffering servant, who is the sacrifice necessary to bring about our redemption. Peter confesses all this. He reveals all this, but the irony is he doesn't fully realize what he is confessing. And so Jesus teaches plainly and frankly what it means that he is the Christ. He teaches his disciples what it means.
and he gets pushback. This is not what mankind would do. This is not the way we would think to handle evil and sin. I've heard this accusation a number of times from unbelievers. If I were God, I'd just get rid of evil. But it's not that simple. It could be that simple, but it would mean our death and our non-existence. Or it would mean a world without love because love cannot be forced nor engineered but must be freely given. There is no simple human answer that actually works. But there is God's answer. There is God's way. And so Jesus responds to this challenge from Peter. Get behind me, Satan. This rebuke to Peter reveals that Peter is being used by the devil to try and thwart God's plans. The devil is trying to work through Jesus' disciples. This should give all of us pause. If a member of the church like Peter can be so used, so can we. Here we find clear encouragement to be more and more in God's word so that his word and will are in our hearts and minds because our hearts and minds clearly tend toward the things of man. But not only that, we find encouragement to be connected with others in the body of Christ, that we might have a mutual admonition and correction, that we all, being together in God's word, might sharpen one another and hold one another to our Lord's word rather than to our own ideas and thoughts. Now, while we reflect on this in our own lives, we should also see how, God, how Jesus' rebuke of Peter leads to his instructions to his disciples and the crowds that he gathers afterwards. Jesus' rebuke to Peter is for him to get behind me. That is, he calls Peter and even Satan to stop following the ideas and ways of men and follow behind Jesus. He calls for all of us to follow a different path. Not one of glory and self-grandeur, but a path of self-denial, but of love for others. Following behind Jesus is to walk the way of the cross. This way of speaking becomes clear later on in the gospel account. When Jesus is heading to the cross and another Simon, Simon of Cyrene, takes up Jesus' cross and carries it. Compelled as he is by the Roman soldiers, Simon picks up the cross and follows Jesus. Mark 15, 21 records, And they compelled a passerby, Simon of Cyrene, who was coming in from the country, the father of Alexander and Rufus, to carry his cross. As one biblical scholar has pointed out, the verse does not specify the his. It could be read as Jesus' cross or Simon's cross. And so the conjecture is that this ambiguity is purposeful. It is meant to imply both. Thus the cross in chapter 15 is literally Christ's cross, which has been laid upon this man because of circumstances and necessity, and not because it is a or his cross per se. 
but it has become his cross to bear. And the same goes for God's people with us. Following Jesus means carrying whatever burden is imposed upon you because of Christ. Today, that might be carrying titles and names of scorn, bigot, misogynist, colonialist, crazy, backwards, a multitude of phobiac names, rigid, stupid, fanatic, and so forth. It might come to mean facing lawsuits or civil penalties for not bending your knee to the gods worshipped today. The demands that you support what is clearly wrong. It might mean literally forfeiting your life, as Peter eventually faced when he was put on the cross. This cross is not one of your choosing. It is one imposed upon you. It is one you are compelled to take up and carry. Like Simon of Cyrene, you have to carry this cross to follow Jesus. To ignore it is to turn away from Jesus, to go your own way. The cross is the burden you carry in this world to follow Jesus. But more importantly, following behind Jesus means not putting anything before him or on the same level as him. It means keeping the first commandment, denying yourself what you want and think for what the Lord wills for you. It means an obedience to His will that goes against self-preservation, that trusts in the Lord more than in human reason. This means giving up my ideas of who God is and what He does. It means surrendering my thoughts and feelings about God's direction for my life and instead embracing who He is and His will as revealed in His Word. My life is no longer my own, as Paul said. I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. Galatians 2.20 When you die to yourself, when you take up your cross and follow Jesus, this is exactly what is happening. It isn't your life anymore because daily you are dying to sin and to your flesh. Daily you are bearing the cross put before you. And daily you are raised to new life, to live in Christ and because of Christ and in His ways. Christ shines forth in your life because He is living in you and moving you to act as He has, moving you to live for Christ and for others. What a burden to bear. Denying yourself. Dying to your wants and desires, to your ideas and thoughts, is hard. It is painful. And you cannot do it. Not by yourself. Thankfully, God has given you this death already in baptism. For in those waters, you were connected to Jesus and His death on the cross. In those waters, you were put to death and raised to new life. Your old life and ways have been buried in a tomb, no more to rise again. You are a new person, and your life is tied to Christ's, which means you no longer need to save your life or soul. This is good because your attempts to do so would end in ruin and destruction. This is the kind of loss verse 35 speaks about. 
The word for loss can also be translated as ruin or destroy. If you try to save yourself, you will ruin yourself. But those who ruin their lives for Jesus, those who wreck their lives for the gospel, those who sacrifice their name and dignity, their wealth and things, even their family and friends, for the sake of Christ Jesus and the gospel, will find their life renewed, restored, and rebuilt. For Christ is their life. Your life is not all the things you see around you, all the things you associate with living in this world. Your life is Jesus. He alone provides you with life and salvation. He alone saves you. He alone is the Christ, the Son of God, the Messiah, who bled and suffered for you so that you could have life and have it abundantly. For Peter's confession is the true revelation of Jesus. He is the Christ, the Messiah, the Anointed One, who has carried your cross and mine, who has bore your sins and died for your sake. He saved you, and then He rose again to rule and reign as the one true King. You are His. Go forth, take up your cross, and confess Him before the world. No matter the earthly cost you bear here and now, because Christ has delivered you, and in Him you will live even though you die. The peace of God which passes on us, and keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make His face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord look upon you with favor and give you peace. Amen.